Welcome back to Arts Underground. I'm Katie Ganaway. This hour, we're talking with two women looking to preserve the lasting impacts on civil and voting rights attained by some trailblazing women of the 20th century here in Huntsville and the state of Alabama. With moving art and historic artifacts on loan, the exhibit we're learning about today at Harrison Brothers Hardware in downtown Huntsville, rooted in history, shows visitors a seldom seen or heard of look at the personal lives of the first six black women to vote in Huntsville, women from early Alabama who accomplished the unthinkable, like becoming a lawyer, and many other outstanding women. Later this hour, we'll talk with Tiavalia Bevacadu, a third-generation quilter tapped to sew together a quilt that celebrates a diverse spread of Alabama women authors. But first, Historic Huntsville Foundation's executive director conveys to us the remarkable stories behind the spectacular women featured in this free exhibit. I'm Donna Castellano, and I'm the executive director of the Historic Huntsville Foundation. And it's great to be talking with you again about this wonderful program that you have going on with the foundation. We are standing in Harrison Brothers Hardware today, which is owned by the Historic Huntsville Foundation. You are displaying Rooted in History and Art and History exhibit here on public display. And it's part of your organization's program, as I mentioned, uh, Huntsville Women Who Made History. So how did the foundation decide to combine historical artifacts and pieces by local artists in this exhibit? So Rooted in History 2022 is an expansion of what we did last year, Rooted in History, where we're interpreting um, Alabama's folk art history. It really sort of evolved naturally. Um, we have spent the better part of two years looking and identifying and researching the lives of Huntsville's black and white suffragists. And through that, I had gotten to know the families of the suffragists, and I saw all of the wonderful artifacts that they had kept. And it just seemed to be a reasonable thing to see could we do an exhibit around this and I tentatively asked the relatives and they enthusiastically said yes and so uh, then I had an idea and the challenge became how do you fulfill that idea and so what you have now in Harrison Brothers Hardware is really a fabulous collaboration between Historic Huntsville Foundation and me and the families of these incredible women. And can you talk to the importance in your opinion of integrating this history of both white and black uh, female voters back in the 19th century on? The, the suffrage movement in Huntsville or the voting rights movement in Huntsville as I prefer to call it given the longevity of these women in their activities. Um, you know first of all it was a revelation to learn about the activities of white women and then it was a revelation to earn to learn about the activities of black women and then the next challenge because they they occupied the same space they lived in the same city they experienced this history differently but I wanted to bring their narratives together so that you could gain an appreciation for the challenges that the black women had and the success that they had and how their movement really diverged from what the white women were doing after 1920 and really the catalyst of this for me was finding in that in December of 1920 that Ellen Watkins Harper visited Huntsville. She was a noted abolitionist. She was a women's suffragist and that she spoke at Lakeside Methodist Church and so it was easy to take that, her visit to Huntsville and uh, Susan B. Anthony's visit to Huntsville in February of that year and say okay so this is where both threads begin. I had the thing that historians love which is a beginning. I had my beginning and I could begin to tell the stories from that. 
talking about the common thread of these women you're honoring here with this exhibit, um, they worked very hard to make a difference in Huntsville and Madison County, and that's especially black women, uh, as you've said before, are the vanguards of civil rights and voting rights here in Huntsville. Uh, which women are we learning about uh, more here, and what are their corresponding artifacts? So I really, that became a very difficult question, but it was really guided by, well, what stuff do you have to show? I mean, to put it just at its most basic level. And so the exhibit is really geared around the women who were the prime movers, and their families also uh, were prominent enough, had enough sense of their family history, had the resources to preserve and save it. And so it was a, a very logical place to go that if you want to see the women who made history, History, then those women probably also had the resources to save their history and these families were incredibly generous with that. When we were looking at the black families um, that became a little bit more problematic because the white families lived in Huntsville, they knew me, they were familiar with Historic Huntsville Foundation, I had met them on numerous occasions. Uh, the black families were equally supportive of the project but they didn't have the artifacts, it was you know far more complicated for me to go to them and to get the artifacts and so we became creative in the ways that we shared the stories of the black suffragists. And I think that if you undertake a project like this, that creativity and sensitivity and working with what you have is critical to its success. And a brilliant way that you are able to display the ginormous impact that they had on Huntsville. Like, for instance, we're standing in front of a painting here of um, India Herndon walking up the courthouse steps to go vote. Can you talk to the power that this brings to, you know, while you don't have those artifacts to present to the public, you have these artist interpretations of this history. What's, what's the sort of significance of that to you? So that was one of the, the questions we had when we made it an art and history exhibit is without the same level uh, of resources that I have for the white women, how do I tell or share the story, share the experience of black women without having those material resources? And art, of course, is the way we do that. Art translates across time across and it embodies emotion so that you can get the drama of the moments so that it becomes personal to the people viewing it and so Daria Hammond a very talented black artist she did a tremendous amount of research she she listened to every single interview that you and I have done and she actually quoted those interviews back to me when she talked about the inspiration behind India Herndon walking up the steps of the courthouse of the Madison County Courthouse with her dollar fifty in hand and it just sort of embodies that that painting is India's walk of faith and she was walking into a world where she hoped and believed that if she did her part that voting rights could be expanded to more people. Now I want you to take us around uh, Harrison Brothers just a little bit and tell us about your most uh, prized pieces if you will. Let's start at the case that's closest to the door which is sort of anchored by uh, a display of Alberta Chapman Taylor, a mannequin of Alberta Chapman Taylor, wearing uh, a, a green jacket that she owned uh, in the early 1900s. And so she sort of embodies, she gets our attention and she lets us know that these women were alive and that they lived. There's a timeline here that gives the timeline of the black suffrage movement and the white suffrage movement. And I think that the, the critical exhibit that means the most to me, that the story that I was looking most forward to telling about these white suffragists um, was Ellery Chapman Hume's commitment to ending child labor in textile mills. And so we have a series of photographs of Lewis Hines' 
uh, when he was in Huntsville visiting and really began the anti-child labor movement. And she was profound, was a profound force in that movement in Alabama and across uh, the United States, traveled and gave speeches. And it's these haunting photographs of these children that make that movement real to her. And I think it's even more poignant to understand that her husband was Milton Humes, who was an investor in the Lincoln Textile Mill. And so after his death, it sort of seems that she became committed to improving uh, the business that her family had uh, made so much money on. Can you talk about who is in this photograph? It's a, a picture of a woman in a blue dress sitting with, I believe, a, a note in her hand. That is Ellily Chapman Humes. And uh, she and her sister, Alberta, they were really the prime movers and shakers of Huntsville's early suffrage movement. And we have the original handwritten meeting minutes from the Huntsville suffrage movement when they would take uh, meeting minutes. And then in the second case, you have a, ha a speech by Ella Lee where she is extolling on uh, on the, the, the horrors of child labor. So I think within this exhibit, you see her, you have an idea of how it wasn't just that she wanted women to have the right to vote. It was how that she wanted women to use their right to vote. That was the that was the goal of this. Having equal rights, having equal voting rights was a goal, but the purpose of it was so that they could change policy. And I think this case makes that clear with Ella Lee. Now let's go on to this wall of beautiful paintings and sculptures and all sorts of uh, wonderful art that we mentioned before. What would you say is your most favorite piece on this wall? Oh, now you're going to get me in trouble with a lot of artists if you ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think the, the, the main one, which is the one that caught your eye when you first walked in, is the quilt of Alabama authors by Tavalia Beficado. I mean, she has this enormous, magnificent quilt that spots Spotlights, both black and white uh, Alabama authors. It's a G's Bend inspired quilt. It's magnificent. And I just think everyone should come down to the store to look at this and just really appreciate the lessons that she talks about in this quilt through of Alabama's uh, creative women, women who wrote a personal favorite of mine. <laughs> I think the, one of the cornerstones of this exhibit, if you look at, at Alberta Chapman and her presence, the second most important piece in this, and perhaps the most important piece in this, um, uh, in this exhibit, is the voter registration book. It was loaned to us by Judge Frank Barger, and it records the, the voting records of, of uh, Madison Countyans from 1903 to 1927. And of utmost importance to us when we began researching this history was who were the six black women who registered to vote. And this is the book that revealed this information to us. We went through page by page looking at the dates that women had registered, 1920, looking at the race that was designated and black women were designated with COL and then looking at their name. And that's how we identified the six black women who we recognized in October of last year with the historic marker. But this makes that history literally black and white that history is manifest on these pages. Um, that's sort of the way that I felt when I was going and accumulating these collections is going. And, you know, it's one level when you meet the families and they talk about their grandmothers or they talk about their great-grandmothers. And then they say, oh, well, I have her papers. Would you like to see them? Yes, of course I'd love to see the papers. That's the easiest question I'll answer today. And then the third thing is, is when you're in a room and all these things are 
thoughtfully laid out on a dining room table. And so someone that I had read about or had maybe ha perhaps researched the newspaper articles and I knew what they did, but I didn't know their inner psychology. I didn't know what made them who they were. I didn't, I couldn't, I never held the things that they held in their hands. And so going and having that experience of sitting down and getting to know those families and getting to know these women through that process, it just has made this a very personal process for me, a very personal exhibit. And I think that anyone who comes in and sees that, will, that this history is going to stay with them because of the very personal nature it is. And when you do look at the voter roll here, you, you pointed out earlier that we have India Herndon's name uh, opened up right here, and right underneath is her husband, AJ. And next to India, there is an indication that, you know, COL for colored at the time is, you know, what she was referred to as, um, but it isn't next to her husband's name. How did you feel when you, when you were going through these voter rolls and saw, you know, that in particular? I, I sort of looked at it from the perspective that uh, perhaps they weren't uh, wonderful record keepers. Uh, and um, we had secondary sources that indicated that there were six black women who voted in Madison County. And I don't know, maybe in 1920 they were more um, dedicated about recording the race with the names of the women. But as I mentioned, you know, the, the, the voter rolls were regularly printed in the Huntsville Times. And sometimes they designate race, sometimes they don't. Uh, it was not exactly done. Uh, and I think you could probably writ that large and say that perhaps the person doing that work, that race might not have been that important to them. I mean, when we talk about the, you know, how, how was race the most important thing to the person who was recording those documents? Perhaps not. Perhaps not. There is another piece that you would like to show us. I understand, Donna. Where are we going? We're going to go back to the Harrison Brothers desk, which as frequent visitors to the store know, and I hope all of your listeners are frequent visitors to our store, is the original Harrison Brothers desk. And here uh, we have our tribute to Alice Borman Baldridge, who was the first woman who was elected to public office in Madison County and was also the first uh, female attorney uh, who practiced law in Madison County. And uh, the family of Alice Borman Baldridge, uh, Dana and Tony Craig, Tony Craig is Alice's great grandson. They were incredibly generous. And so we have, you know, the, the focal point of this exhibit is Alice's uh, framed law certificate where she was admitted to practice law in the Northern District of Alabama in 1918. And then we also have the original ballot that Alice saved from 1916 uh, that has her name highlighted so that, you know, you see her name on that 1916 ballot. So it's, you also get to see what a 1916 ballot looked like, which I think is just really, really, really cool. And then to see that woman's name on it is just even more remarkable. Um, they saved letters that Alice wrote over the years. And, um, you know, Alice left Huntsville by 1922, and she was practicing law at a New York a law firm, Wall Street law firm. So we have her business cards that show the firm, the address of the firm that she uh, that she worked, which was 30 Rockefeller Plaza, which is really <laughs>
really cool. She, you know, 30 Rock. And then the letterhead that bears her name. And then we also, they had the materials to sort of so show the softer side of Alice. And um, Alice was a very vivacious sort of social animal. And so we have the, the, the silver case where her dance cards were kept. And we have, you know, she was also, I won't say vain, but she was a beautiful woman. And I personally don't think vanity's a bad thing. You know, I mean, so she has the silver hairbrushes and the mirrors to just sort of give that personal element to, to Alice, along with the things that clearly showed that this woman took the rights and privileges that she had helped to bring other women and exercised those with her own agency. Um, she worked at a Law Street firm until the late 1950s, returned to Huntsville at the age of 84. This woman was a trailblazer. Going back to sort of, you, you were talking about being able to sit with these families and talk with them about uh, these historical figures here in Huntsville and Madison County, um, but also having that tangible piece of history to hold in your hands, like the letters and the pieces of silver and everything. What was your reaction? What was your first reaction, Donna, when you got to hold these things in your hand? So it's, it's a feeling that has never left me from when I was a graduate student and got to hold the first long time ago. I went to the Library of Congress and they brought out the books to me of someone who I was researching for my master's thesis. And to hold a letter that had been written by James Lapsley in my hand, it literally makes you go weak in the knees and you feel the weight. It's almost as if their energy is transferred over to you because it's no longer someone that you've read. It's This is a tangible person to me now. Uh, and so it was that times a thousand. And then when I realized that these families were going to be so giving and trust me, trust me to tell their story, the weight of responsibility was absolutely enormous. I didn't want to let Historic Huntsville Foundation down. I didn't want to let these families down. And I certainly didn't want to let down the people whose life I was portraying. Um, and so there was a lot of pressure to do it right. And I finally came to peace with this, is it may not be perfect, but it's the best first draft that I could do. And I think that these women would be kind enough to give me the grace to say, it's good, it's good. So the pieces displayed here range from the early 1900s up to the 1980s. So Donna, what would you say is the importance of covering such a vast amount of our historical women rather than a sort of narrower, isolated focus? So one of the things that has really become bothersome to me, to be quite honest with you, is that there is this sort of assumption that, well, these women were suffragists, women got the right to vote in 1920, so why are you still talking about it? The 100th anniversary's passed. And that implies that these women did not go on and continue to do important things that are instructive to us and that makes us better for knowing their stories. You know, we don't stop telling the story of, of Huntsville in 1805 because that's that's when it was founded, or the state of Alabama in 1819 because that's when it was founded. We have to become very comfortable incorporating the story of these women, of this black community, into our greater narrative of Huntsville history. We shouldn't talk about the history of Huntsville without including the stories of Alberta and Alalee and Alice and India and Daniel Brandon and those people the, uh, the Benfords, all of those people who went into making the history of this city, that should all be part of our story of Huntsville. And a testament to that 
is that you received this amazing email from a good friend of yours who had a significant amount of information to give to you. Can you talk about what that was, Donna? Yes. So I had been on this tear uh, to try to identify all of the buildings that had been built by Daniel Brandon. Uh, Mr. Brandon was the husband of Ellen Brandon, and he was a very successful contractor and had actually served two terms uh, on the Huntsville Board of Aldermen. And so I had looked and I had researched and I thought I had identified things and I still felt like something was missing, but I had done my best. I couldn't get to it. And then one Thursday morning, I received an email from uh, Mrs. Ollie Conley, who many of you you may know for her work with Glenwood Cemetery, an absolutely fabulous woman who has brought so much attention to Huntsville's black history. And she sent me an article from the journal, uh, which was owned and operated by H.C. Benford, that the Harrison Brothers had given the contract to rebuild Harrison Brothers hardware uh, to Daniel Brandon after the store had burned in 1901, and it was rebuilt. And so that is when Historic Huntsville Foundation purchased this store in 1984. It was because we wanted to preserve that 1902 facade, a 1902 facade that we now know was constructed by a black contractor, and that when we tell the story of Harrison Brothers Hardware, we can also tell the story of Daniel S. Brandon, a man who fought for his community, who served his community, whose wife served their community, who just really who helped build Huntsville. And I don't think I've never had a prouder moment in my life. I was mentioning earlier that I would walk to this store saying, oh man, it would just be so cool if we could find out that Daniel Brandon was the contractor who rebuilt Harrison Brothers. That would give us a tangible connection to this black community. And I can feel now that the Harrisons were in the sideline saying, but we did, we did just keep digging, just keep digging. There's a story here, just keep looking for it. And thanks to Ollie Conley, we now have that piece of our puzzle. And that's why we can't stop researching the history of these individuals because we don't know what all else they've done. And when we find that out, it just makes our city richer, more fuller, and more inspiring. This history and art exhibit is on display through September 6th. Um, do you have any other events, educational or otherwise artistic events, happening? Um, you did mention there is a, a marker that is going to be placed for Alice Borman Baldridge. Yes, in October, we will dedicate a historic marker for Alice Borman Baldridge at her former home on Adams Street. Um, hopefully, we can come back and talk about that at some point in the future. And I also want to just mention to your viewers that if anyone would like, this is my baby, this is my passion. If anyone would like a tour of this exhibit, if you're a member of a church group, a school group, kindergarten group, it doesn't matter. Um, reading club, if you would like a tour of this exhibit, by me, I would be more than happy to do that for you. All you have to do is email me at Donna at historichuntsville.org. It would literally be my pleasure. My name is Tia Valia Befikadu. I'm originally from Huntsville, Alabama, currently residing in Madison, and I am a quilter and textile artist with two quilts featured in Rooted in History. Now, how did you get involved with 
the Historic Huntsville Foundation and eventually become a part of this exhibit? In 2021, I applied to be a part of Rooted in History um, as a folk artist, and I submitted five quilts last year, and I won an award of distinction. And this year, I was asked to come back and make a quilt for this new exhibit, Honoring Women. Can you talk about your passion for quilting, how you found that, and who taught you that skill? I'm a third-generation sewing enthusiast, and my grandmother was a quilter. Um, About 10 years ago, my mom and I took a quilting class, and we put it down. We didn't um, follow up with what we learned, but during the pandemic, I started quilting again, and I've learned to take my love of photography and quilts and put them together for textile arts, and I make custom quilts for clients and for myself. I take pictures and I turn them into quilts. Can you talk about your artistic influences when you make these quilts? Ooh, that's a hard one. I kind of just been going on my own wavelength, I think. Um, I am inspired by a lot of quilters like the G's Ben quilters who, you know, were home quilters and they were black quilters in Alabama. But I've been kind of going to the beat of my own drum. I've tried to kind of block out other people's work so I can just do what comes to me naturally and creatively but I'm in a great quilt guild and I've definitely learned some great skills and how to improve but I'm kind of going to the beat of my own drum. What is a quilt guild meeting like? Oh it's awesome. Um, we It's several different components. Sometimes we just sit and sew together and everyone can kind of show what they're working on. Um, But there's a business aspect of it. In the Quilt Guild, we make quilts for St. Jude and we make charity quilts. Um, But we also learn new skills. Um, And we do a portion that's called Sew and Tell. It's really fun. So you can kind of show where you are um, in in the new project. It doesn't have to be completed. But Quilt Guilds, it's a lot of fun. And we've been doing a lot um, virtually. We've just started going back in person. So even over Zoom, like you can just kind of like show what you're working on. It's really great. That sense of community is so important through the pandemic, but quilting is something that you found through the pandemic, is what, you're, what you said to me earlier. Um, and we are sat right next to this giant quilt that you made for this exhibit of Alabama women authors, and it's such a diverse representation of women authors here in Alabama. Can you talk about how you chose the subjects for this quilt, and also the fabrics, because it's so vivid and beautiful? My mother was an English um, professor at Alabama A&M, and I've always loved to read. Um, when I quilt, I am always listening to an audiobook. But um, when this exhibit came to me, I wanted to focus on women, of course, but I wanted to put a spin on it. And all of my quilts, I want people to be inspired by them, for them to have um, dialogues about what's going on. And I thought, what a great way to highlight Alabama women. And so when I was quilting this, I was reading or listening to Yah Jessie's book, and she went to Grissom. But I just wanted to kind of build off of that. Like Sonia Sanchez is a great poet. I didn't know she was from Alabama. So it's just like, there are so many influences just from our state, people who were born here, people who were bred here just like I was. 
It just gave me such inspiration to think about these women and think about what they've done and how their words have changed our world. For the fabric, it was fun to just go in my stash. So everyone that's a quilter has like a big group of fabric, you know, however they have it organized. I just went in my stash and said, I want bright colors. Like what really pops out to me? Um, I, I love to use African fabrics. And so you'll see um, like the orange and the yellow for Zora Neale Hurston and the purple for Sonia Sanchez. Those are some African fabrics that were really vibrant. I just wanted to um, mix it up and and have something bright. It kind of popped out. I also have like a a yellow hammer and a snow globe on the um on the quilt. So it's just it was just kind of um a heart thing. I just went with what felt good. Can you talk about how long this project took you to complete and how you felt once it was complete, uh seeing it hung up here at Harrison Brothers? It took me about two months to complete. I got to a place in my quilting where I was working on the project. I stopped and I, I stopped to work on this one um, to have it ready for this exhibit. Um, and so I didn't know how big it was going to be. I didn't plan it out ahead of time. And I just kind of went with it. Um, but to see it, first it was like on my living room floor just spread out. And it just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So to see it hung in the window... It's just very humbling um, just to have people come and, you know, walk by and they can see it in the window. It's just like a humbling experience because I put a lot of love into it and um, I just want it to be a piece that people will think about, that gives them joy, that encourages them to read, to look into these authors and see what they've um, had to contribute to our society. But it's just a, a humbling experience. I'm just forever grateful. And you have another piece here that depicts Helen Keller. Can you talk about that piece just a bit? Yes, um, I decided to include the Helen Keller quilt because she was a change maker in her own way, um, but she also was very vital to the women's movement. I think that Helen Keller is such a wonderful addition to all the change makers here in our area, and she's from North Alabama, and I just thought that she would be a great fit just to add in to the exhibit. Talking about connections to Huntsville's past and Alabama's past here through art and artifacts, do you feel that making this quilt has sort of, specifically for this exhibit, has brought you closer to these women who, you know, people are coming and learning about at this exhibit? Oh, absolutely. And it's just taught me more than I ever knew before. Um, there's just so many historical facts about Huntsville that I didn't know growing up that I wasn't taught. And so this exhibit gives us a lot of context of all these women did these great things, but because of them, we can, you know, do so many things and do so many great things in our area. So it just gives a lot of education to people about all the great things that women have done. And I think it's when you have like a personal connection to something and it's just like, I'm from here. These women were doing great things right here in my hometown. It just makes me feel inspired to, to make and to create and to share it with others. This exhibit is not going to last forever. It's going to get packed up September 6th, move on to better places and their owners, you know. Um, so this quilt that you have made, Tiavalia, 
it needs to be hung up somewhere else. Where are you hoping that it lives after this? I would love to see it in a library um, or a school. Um, I would love for it to travel to um, different schools and different libraries just to keep the momentum going. Um, I was fortunate enough to have a quilt of Rosa Parks hang at Midtown Elementary, so I know it's possible. But I would love to see it in a library. And, you know, all the artwork here is for sale. You're supporting local artists. And Harrison Brothers and the Historic Council Foundation have, give, have given us a great opportunity to, you know, share our art with the community. Tia what is your hope that visitors take away from this exhibit and more specifically from soaking in the magnitude of your beautiful quilts? I hope that the public feels inspired by all of the work. I hope they walk away with a piece of historical knowledge that they didn't know before. I hope they're supportive of women um, from the past and from the present who are trying to keep the conversations going about women change makers. I hope that my quilt and the other artwork bring some joy. You know, these are really difficult times that we're living in. So there's so many things to learn. And so you can take a piece of history with you when you leave, but you can leave um, with knowledge and inspiration to go out and do something great. Do you have anything that you'd like to add today before we go? Yes, I would love to encourage the public to come and see this great exhibit. Um, Harrison Brothers is a historic store. It has so much to offer. Um, This exhibit is free. If you come here, you will learn something. You can take away a piece of history with you. And I just encourage everyone to stop by. It's a great exhibit. And, And a big thank you to the Historic Huntsville Foundation for making this all possible. That's all for this week's episode of Arts Underground. I'm your host, Katie Ganaway. If you'd like to hear my conversations with Donna and Tia Valia, again, head over to our social media pages for a link to listen. Love yourself, Tennessee Valley. I can't do it for you. Thank you so much for spending a part of your Saturday afternoon here with us at WLRH. I'd love to have you back next week for something shiny and new. Stay hydrated. Stay safe. Stay silly, guys. This is 89.3 Huntsville.